everyone. I'm your host, Liana Pavane, founder of TTYL, human connection advocate, certified life coach, and most importantly, a human that's just trying to figure it out. I'm your unapologetic 20-something native New Yorker, advocating selfships. Yes, I'm in a relationship with myself while navigating the dating world. I'm on a mission to break down dating stigmas in our society and to stop ghosting. I started this podcast after my ex broke up with me over the phone. I know, at least it wasn't a post-it. And I realized that our dating etiquette was severely lacking due to technology. Each week, I invite guests onto the podcast from all walks of life to discuss their first date horror stories and best dates. Because let's be honest, we don't focus on the positives enough when it comes to dating. The best part about this podcast is that after each episode, I've walked away feeling more confident about myself and my relationships. So whether or not you're single, in a relationship, or find yourself in a situationship, I welcome you to get comfy as I dive into the uncomfy so we can normalize it together. Jitters, on your first date, not in your coffee. I am so excited to partner with Jibby Coffee a lifestyle and wellness brand that crafts functional coffee for the balance-seeking consumer. They crafted a CBD-infused Colombian cold brew to help people focus throughout the day without the jitters or crash. Dairy-free, gluten-free, vegan, no added sugar, and no compromises. Made in the U.S. and 100% recyclable. In addition to the fact that this coffee is focus and clarity boosting, 1% of every Jibby order goes to a high-impact nonprofit at no added cost to you. You can even track your impact directly through their partners, Charity Water, Food for Farmers, and Cannabis for Conservation. Use code GHOST15 for 15% off. That's GHOST15 for 15% off on both subscription and one-time purchases. Available at jibbycoffee.com for free shipping nationwide. Welcome back to another episode of Ghost of Dates Past. I'm super excited about today's episode. I'm here with Alex Tenor Frankel. He and I actually met at a box and flow class about five years ago. So if any of you who don't know what that is, it was this really, well, I think they're kind of still around, but there's this really, yeah, sort of pandemic, you know, but yeah, really cool workout class. You do boxing and then you do a bit of yoga to relax and unwind at the end of the class. So we actually connected there of all places. You just never know who you're going to meet. And look at us now having a conversation about dating early on a, on a Thursday morning. <laughs> well, and the funniest part is like, it's so fitting that we met at Box and Flow in that time of my life. And now we're having this conversation on this podcast, because when I started working there, I was going through the worst breakup of my life. So Box and Flow is really helpful for like dealing with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that for me is a huge release working out and sweating it out and just if you went out with your friends and you're just like going crazy like sweat it out in the morning going through a breakup sweat it out anything you're dealing with in your life I that's just always what I turn to and I'm going through a breakup right now so I feel like this is a very fitting conversation kind of a full circle situation so yeah why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about you Cool. So my name is Alex Frankel. I'm lived in New York for 10 years and I grew up in California. You know, the living in New York City experience is definitely wrought with a lot of excitement and fun and an equal level of devastation and <laughs> scorched earth 
but it's it's really interesting like dating in new york city pre-pandemic versus dating in new york city during pandemic because we're uh, there's a certain sect of people who are never going to let covid end it definitely changes things and the crazy fun chaotic craziness that was new york city in february of 2020 in terms of the dating world versus right now in september of 2021 are two very 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 different landscapes so yeah, I'm very excited to have this conversation with you, Liana. Amazing. Yeah, I'm super pumped too. And I agree with everything you're saying. So let's dive in and hear a little bit of this craziness of your life in dating and tell me your first date horror story. Okay, first date horror story. I went on a first date one time with a girl that I met on Hinge, but I didn't actually match with her. I matched with one of her childhood best friends who then set me up with her friend. She was like, I don't want to date you, but I want to introduce you to my friend. I'm going to accidentally say her name, so I'm going to give her a fake name. We'll call her uh, Jeff. Uh, (laughs) We'll we'll stick with the anonymity. Sorry, it's too early in the morning for anything clever. So I went to go meet this person at a bar, and they they happened to be at this bar with their boss, who was also their roommate. And it was a very weird dynamic, because also the boss had just kicked her live-in boyfriend out of their Tribeca loft apartment. So then the person that I went to meet on the date had moved into like the top part of their loft and was like sleeping on an air mattress up there. And like just very blurred lines, no boundaries, codependent, very weird, right? And intense. Like I'm a pretty outgoing person. I am definitely the crazy person in my friend group. These people made me seem so tame in retrospect, because when I showed up at the bar where I was going to meet them, I had just finished an 11-hour teaching day, because my my day job is teaching chess to preschoolers. So I had just finished yelling at preschoolers for like 11 hours that day. I was exhausted. I was dressed in my like teaching kids uniform, basically, which are just like schlubby clothes that can get, you know, pissed on or puked on by a three-year-old who can't control their body yet. I show up at this bar and they're already blackout drunk. (laughs) And I was like, okay, all right, here we go. (laughs) So we dive in. We end up having so much fun. Very, very fun people. We end up having so, so, so much fun. But then we go back to the loft that they both share. And that's when it gets very weird. Because then they had a wall that they had been painting on in the apartment. And they had like 15 or 20 different cans of paint that they would just like rage paint on the wall. And it, it was one of those, it wasn't necessarily a horror story. It was just like one of those things where it just kept building and building and building where I'm like, this just keeps getting weirder and weirder. So then we, we go up into the loft, we hook up and we're falling asleep. And then I hear footsteps and I turn over and the boss is standing above us, looking down at us, fully naked. <laughs> also, we're in a loft. So like they could hear everything that just happened and see it, which fine, I don't care. But then are standing above us and is holding a glass of water for either one of us, hands it to us and then walks away. And I was like, huh, okay, here we go. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they're dating now. No, 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 no. That is just the weirdest relationship I've ever, that is bizarre. That is so weird. You cannot imagine the codependency. Wow. I mean, how long was this person working for the boss? 
Do you know how long they've known each other? Three months at the time. Oh, God. Oh, I can't like I literally cannot imagine because my boss is also dating someone now. I can't imagine if she was like, come and live with me. (laughs) That is that would be so weird. It would be so weird. Like, she had been commuting from her parents' house in New Jersey or something. I think, like, had just moved to New York and was doing that whole thing. But weird. Like, I, I, the, the apartment I'm currently living in, I actually just took it over from my boss. But the lines of that are actually way more blurred in my company. It's a whole other thing. But I just spent the summer living with him because we were out in the Hamptons doing that whole teaching thing in the Hamptons. And as great as it was, like shout out to Harlan for taking care of my dog for the whole summer while I was running around teaching snivelingly little rich kids all day. But it's weird living with your boss, <laughs> especially, yeah, especially in like a house setting when you get along. It's a whole other thing when it's like, oh, here's this dude I didn't even meet on an app that my friend set me up with that I'm going to bring home for the first time. And then before I have to get up at seven o'clock in the morning to go to work with you tomorrow, I'm just going to go ahead and bring a couple of glasses of water up fully in the buck. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, that is, wow. And it was a work night. I just- It was a Tuesday. That, yeah, that's that's a, that, yeah, that's a gnarly story. That's what we're going to go with. That's what we're going to call that. Things got crazier in that relationship, let me tell you. Oh, wow. There was more. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll get there. So, I mean, kind of switching gears, going back to what we were talking about, just differences in dating and po- pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. And so what did you originally want in your dating life post-pandemic and what ended up happening unexpectedly? So I had a girlfriend at the beginning of COVID. Basically, when everything was locking down and all this, my mother was like, you've got to leave the city. And my uncle had this little cabin that is 472 years old in New Hampshire. And so she and I went to go live in a one room cabin with one room that had one room in it that had one room. Uh, By the way, if I, in case I didn't mention there was one room (laughs) and we went to go live in this cabin surrounded by my entire family. My mother, all three of my aunts, my uncle, all of my cousins, my grandmother, everyone. So, you know, and, and this is said with love to my own family, but my family is insane, especially my mother. And poor Hannah, poor Hannah, very hard position to be in. So we broke up a month later. Shocker. I brought her back. She came with me originally. But it was like, it was just such an impossible situation because I was like, basically like playing Gumby between my mother and Hannah because my, my mother thought Hannah was avoiding her, which kind of was the case because Hannah had her own stuff going on with her own family and dealing with my mother was very triggering for her because my mother's a triggering person. And I was trying to like, act as a buffer and it was getting very difficult to act as a buffer because I feel like the two of them were just having like a gunslinger shootout on either side of me and I was like I'm trying to keep you both happy and I'm not doing a good job of it so we broke up I drove her back to New York and it was fine most amicable breakup I've ever had because we were both just like yep this isn't working and you know we hugged it out I left she left it was fine and then the the guiding light for the next six months of the pandemic until I met my current girlfriend was like, man, when this shit is over, I cannot wait to be a big, dumb slut when we can go back out into the world. I want to have every possible experience I can. I want to sleep with everyone. I want to do everything. And I want to experience all of the things that I totally took for granted prior to the pandemic. 
And then I met my current girlfriend and fell in love. So that was really out of nowhere. <laughs> and it was funny because like for the longest time, I was very resistant to it because I didn't want to. There was that part of myself and my ego that was holding on to that idea that I wanted post-pandemic life to look like, which in reality wasn't going to be how I, I idolized it, idealized it in my head. And, you know, my life situation now couldn't be better, honestly. But that that was a very important part of getting me through the like height of the existential dread was like having that to look forward to. And then I met Kelly, my current girlfriend. And for the first like six months of the relationship, I was very kind of distant and this and that. And then I told her I loved her in my sleep. And I apparently did that a couple of times before one morning I did it. And she immediately grabbed me and started shaking me because like she had been telling her coworkers that it had been happening. And they were all like, nah, that's bullshit. No way. He didn't say that. So I said it one morning and she like shakes me, wake me up. She's like, did you just say I love you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. I love you. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was like, ah, oh, my subconscious betraying me, telling you how I actually feel. You sure it wasn't just a dream about food or something? You know, what's really funny is I actually had a really weird, you ever have that dream where you need to get somewhere, but you can't get there and everything. I had that last night. Yeah. Uh -huh. I had that dream this morning after my alarm went off and I hit the snooze button and I was, I was in some like weird beach community in a car with, I want to say like Kim Kardashian and I'm in the back seat. She's driving and we drive along and we see Kamala Harris on the street. And then Kelly, my girlfriend, and I end up on the beach, and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to record this podcast. And so there's a MacBook, or, or there's, like, a, a, an iMac just, like, on the beach, and I'm trying to log in, but at the same time, I'm cleaning shrimp. It very, it was a very weird, very weird dream. And, like, the alarms are going off in the background, and it's, like, it was very weird. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, I think for me, I definitely went through a bunch of ups and downs, from pre-pandemic to post-pandemic and similarly was in a relationship that ended and definitely that was for the best. That was not someone that I could have seen myself with very much long-term. And then as many of the listeners know, got myself in a lot of bad dating experiences. And I think for me, it was kind of the opposite where I was kind of done with the whole hookup culture and just really wanted a relationship. And so having recently found someone that it was going in that direction and we acted very coupley and it was very serious very quickly, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Not that we said I love you or anything. It wasn't a long enough time for that to happen. But I think it was just, I think the good thing about this experience was that this person very much raised the bar for what I should experience and what I should expect in a relationship moving forward because they did treat me extremely well and they did, thank you. <laughs> but I think that's something that was really hard for me to internalize for a really long time because I've been through traumatic experiences in dating. Little by little, each person that I've dated has, it's added up to the point where I just get very scared of commitment because of the way people have treated me because guys have said that they're going to do things and then not follow through or whatever. So that's a whole other story in itself. But basically my what I'm getting at is that breakups really suck and it seems like you went through 
a difficult breakup last year. And I'm just curious how you coped during breakups in your life and if you have a piece of advice for anyone who's going through a breakup now, myself included. Well, that that particular breakup last year was a difficult one because after Hannah moved out, I was completely alone in a 400... Well, that's a lie. I was completely alone plus a ghost in a 472-year-old house. Like, literally on an island. (laughs) Yet also surrounded by my whole family, which I don't know if that makes it better or worse, probably worse, to be honest. So this is an this is an actual ghost, not a ghost. Actual, oh, 100% actual ghost. It was like I was not a person who believed in ghosts prior to living in that house and then after the 4 weeks that I spent in it after Hannah left, ghosts are fucking real. That shit was weird. I would I would wake up in the morning and my entire kitchen would be rearranged every morning. Oh my god. I'm glad that an actual ghost came on the podcast. I feel like that needed to happen, so thank you. You're welcome. So the breakup with Hannah was difficult more so that I, you know, I did love her and it was much better waking up next to someone as the world was ending and like having a companion uh, versus not. And then after the breakup, it, it was the loneliness was the most difficult part, the isolation. But that was, again, like I said, the easiest breakup of my life. The worst breakup of my whole life was in 2016 and 2017 with the same person twice. And I had gone back to California in 2015 to get a master's degree in singing at San Francisco Conservatory, which I promptly left the school because it was just a, a waste of time coming from New York to go back to San Francisco for that. But I stayed in San Francisco because I met a girl who was a dancer at San Francisco Ballet, and I immediately fell madly in love with her and was like, this is it. She's the one. And we started dating, and about six months into the relationship, I told her I loved her, and she dumped me the next day with no notice at all. And so then I was like, well, I have no reason to stay in California, and I bought a one-way ticket back to New York City the next day, and I moved back to New York. So in the fallout of that, that also coincided with a time in my life where my self-esteem and my self-confidence was growing for the first time because I needed new headshots. I've been using the same headshot since I was like 17 years old. I was 24 at the time. And my best friend, Chad, had a friend in town who was this very, very, very good fashion photographer. And I did a photo shoot with him. And when we were doing this shoot, he sent me some photos And it completely turned my own perception of myself upside down. I never realized that I could look like that or I could be seen by the world like that. And that was a really big deal for me. I had also started like consistently working out again, doing yoga and losing weight and finding success at it for real for the first time since I was like an athlete when I was in high school. So Christy and I broke up and then I lost 90 pounds in six months. Yeah, but also like via an eating disorder and like working out three or four times a day obsessively and basically starving myself in order to lose weight to try to up my self-worth to prove to her something, not necessarily a healthy reason for doing it, you know? And then, then my modeling career started as a result of it in 2016 as a big and tall model for men's stuff. And then we got back together in the summer of 16. 
she had moved back home to Buffalo after getting fired by San Francisco Ballet. I'm just going to casually throw that in there. But she moved back to Buffalo and I decided to go back to this opera festival that I had worked at for three summers in Western New York, specifically so that I would be two hours away from her. And because I was like, we're going to get back together. We're meant to be together. Stupid, <laughs> naive. But we got back together. I texted her and was like, hey, I know we haven't talked in a few months. Like, I'd, I'd love to see you. I'm in Chautauqua. Let's get a coffee. So I drove a friend to the airport one morning and I picked her up at her parents' house at eight o'clock in the morning on like a Wednesday. And we went to go get breakfast and coffee and like the energy was just there and neither of us wanted to not be spending time with the other in that moment. So we went to get breakfast. We went for this long walk around Buffalo. And I remember we were sitting waiting for this little ferry to get across the river. And there was this unbelievable magnetic tension between the two of us where like we, I, we both obviously knew that we wanted to kiss each other, but I think we were both, I was especially terrified of like what would happen to my psyche if I did try to kiss her and she said no, but I did. And we practically just like jumped each other. And then this is stupid, but we went to Niagara Falls State Park and we were looking for somewhere to hook up in the woods. And then when we couldn't find anywhere, we just got a hotel. <laughs> I always thought that was a funny detail of the story. <laughs> and then after we spent 17 hours together, I dropped her off at her parents' place and I went back to Chautauqua and journaled for like two hours that night because I was very much just like, what the fuck just happened? And we had a couple of really intense conversations. And then we got back together right before she moved to Europe. And we started doing long distance with an eight hour time difference, which was a challenge. But like, I don't know if my girlfriend is back in my apartment or not, but I've never loved anyone. As, like I was never, I think it was more of like an addictive love than anything where I was, you know what I mean? Where it was like, there was also so much of my own self-esteem tied up in dating with this person, considering where in my life she came and the changes that I went through within that time that she was a major catalyst for. So we did the whole long distance thing. I went out there, I went to Bucharest, Romania to visit her, which if you've never been to Romania, go somewhere else. And we did that whole thing out there and she was miserable at her job and then ended up leaving that job and moving back to New York City. We moved in together. I left four days after we move in to go do a show myself back in California. And I was going to be gone for nine weeks. And then 11 days into that contract, I could just tell something was wrong. And 11 days into that contract, she moved out of my apartment in secret and then broke up with me over the phone in like a four minute conversation. And we've never spoken again. Yeah. In fact, actually, I sent her an email last summer in June, which was a terrible idea. And I was just like, hi, it bothers me that we've never spoken. How are you doing? I just want to know like what's going on. One conversation is all I ask for. And she just responded with never contact me ever again. And I was like, cool, 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 great, 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 great. Oh, gosh. Wow. I mean, first of all, thank you for your vulnerability and sharing everything that you just shared with me and everyone that's listening. And yeah, I mean, that is a heavy situation. And I think there are so many interesting points that you've touched on. I think one is 
timing, right? That it's possible to get back together with someone. But the other side of that is what I talk about a lot on this podcast, which is that idea of being in a relationship with yourself and how if you're not doing the work in the right spaces in your own life, you will not only attract the wrong people, but also tie that person to a specific experience in your life. And I think that's, I mean, I totally get that that feeling of the addictive love that you are also mentioning too. I've had many people in my life like that, but I always, and now that you're saying it, it's kind of like this epiphany moment for me where I realize, huh, maybe those moments in my life weren't ones where I was really focusing on myself and I wasn't really doing the inner work and really getting to know who I was in order to attract the right person. And I think that is such an important thing that so many people don't think about because no one is going to suddenly mold you into the person you're going to become. You can't be dependent on someone else. You can't rely on someone to lift you up. You can't rely on someone to fix your problems. You have to do that on your own. And I think that for the person right now that I'm going through a breakup with, that I think was a big realization for him that he's having internal struggles on his own, which I and my sister was telling me on the phone, she's like, you know what, Liana, I never try to understand what's going on in someone's mind. I never try to understand someone's inner world. That is just going to drive me and everyone else crazy. And so it's just a matter of accepting that something is telling this person that they need to focus on themselves. And God, like I would be the last person to say no to that. I'm so supportive of that. And I'm supportive of this person figuring out what's going on for them. And so, yeah, I just think breakups can bring up a lot of realization for ourselves. Yeah. After we broke up the second time, I scorched earth my whole life. I burnt everything to the ground. Because it it became very clear to me because like I was isolated in a homestay. So what opera companies will do if we didn't make that clear to everyone else who's listening, I'm an opera singer, I guess, former opera singer based on the amount of work I'm doing now in the COVID world. But what opera companies will do to get away with not having to put an artist up in a hotel or renting them an apartment while they're out doing a gig is they'll do homestays. So they'll get donors of the company to open their home up to artists and Sometimes it can be really wonderful and sometimes it can be a little terrible. And sometimes the artist can be a Tasmanian devil that drives the people they're living with a little bit crazy because they're going through some life transitions. Uh, (laughs) So I'm living in this homestay in San Jose, California, and I'm very isolated from my support system and this and that. But like I went through a lot of really super important realizations about myself and that breakup and the way it happened and the devastation that I felt afterward, you know, I realized like how strong my fear of abandonment actually was because it wasn't just Christy who broke up with me. I was also very, very close with her family and her brother who I didn't know for very long or very well, but we got really, really close really quickly. And as a person who's never really felt welcome in my own family And as an only child, the way with which they like brought me in and treated me like I was one of the family for them to have been rejected by them all in the way that I was, was really devastating. Oh, hello. My dog's coming to visit now. And I also realized 
that the reason why all of my relationships were dysfunctional is because my relationship with myself was the most dysfunctional of all. And that I could not have healthy relationships until I figured out how to be alone. Because my single greatest fear at that time was being alone. Not in the sense of, oh, I'm never going to meet anyone and I'm going to be alone forever. No, it is 322 on a Wednesday afternoon and I don't have anyone here to distract me from my own fucking thoughts. I need a buffer from myself. That was the biggest realization is that I could not have a healthy relationship with anyone until I figured out how to have a relationship with myself. And that took years. That all happened in 2017. And now we're sitting here in 2021. And like, I finally have a happy, healthy relationship. And it's only because of all of that realization and all of that work. So like, yeah, yeah, that was, it was, it was a tough realization to come to though. Cause it was like, I would, I would put all of my eggs in another person's basket because it was easier to do that than it was to give that love, care, and attention to myself, even though I was the one who really needed it. Yep. I went through this exact same experience and I definitely was relying on other people and putting my eggs in other people's baskets. And I think that's a big thing now that I'm realizing about this specific breakup, because I think for the first time that I've ever broken up with someone, I feel sadness, but I don't feel pain because I know that the life that I have now is something I'm so grateful for. I'm so grateful just how my life is. Like, I love my job. I love doing this podcast. I'm healthy. I What do you do for work, by the way? <laughs> I work for a puzzle company, actually, called Jiggy. What? Yeah, I do partnerships. So I work on the wholesale and custom side, which is a whole other conversation. I guess I never really told anyone on the podcast what I do. But yes, that's what I do. Yeah, because I I, I remember when we worked at Box and Flow too, because I know you do all the the talk to you later stuff and all that. But I was always really puzzled about what you did. (laughs) Well, I think at that point I was, I must have been either recruiting or working in retail or something at that point. But I've had, yeah, I've had a bunch of different like odds and ends. I worked at Artisan Fleas last year. I've bounced around, but always been an entrepreneur at heart. So that's why I've always pursued my own stuff. But I think that's, you know, that basically, that's what I realized is I just became so grateful for what I have and the life that I lead and like knowing that I have all these projects and I have friends that are and family that are so supportive and have helped me through the past week and just really... Yeah, I'm just so grateful for all the things in my life. And I don't think I'm not at a point where like I need it's not a point of needing a relationship. It's that I would like it. I would I want one because I want to share experiences with someone else and like have that intimacy with someone and vulnerability. But it's not that I don't have that elsewhere. And I think that's like a really good place to be in my life where I haven't been there. I don't think ever until this point, until after I went through a whole months and months of just focusing on myself. But I do want to also get to your best first date story. So, and then we'll dive into some I love you conversation and stuff, because I want to touch on that. Best first date story. Okay. Best first date story has less to do with the person I was on the date with and more to do with how it affected my life right now. 
post breakup with Christy, I went to Edinburgh in 2017 to do the Fringe Festival. And I was in this shitty shit show called Sasquatch the Opera, which was basically Romeo and Juliet with Bigfoot. And the worst part about it is I wasn't even Sasquatch. I was this character, Samson, who was a blind meth dealer. I was in one scene. It was the perfect Edinburgh role because it was a really easy sing. I was on stage for 10 minutes, but I got a free trip to Edinburgh. (laughs) So I was in post-breakup world. I had long hair. I was skinny and hot for the first time in my life, and I was enjoying it. Let's go with that. Let's say the Viking aesthetic played really well in Edinburgh. My girlfriend is sitting right next to me while I'm telling this story and giving me smirky looks. It's really funny. (laughs) So I went on a date with a Bulgarian-Italian girl, and we're walking around Edinburgh. And for those of you that haven't been, it, you should go. It's The Fringe Festival is in August. It's the largest theater festival in the world. Everything that could be. Yeah, I was there a couple years before you, I think. Not for not to be in a show. I was just there like visiting. For, I was studying abroad. So we started. Amazing. There. Yeah, everything that could be turned into a theater or a bar is. And all the people flyer for their shows. So like the people that are in the shows will hand you a flyer on the street. And they're like, come see my show. And we're walking around and we're at this bar and this fuddy-duddy little white guy who's balding and has a mustache comes up to us and we start talking. He's from Brooklyn. We hit it off immediately. In fact, I just lived with him all summer in the Hamptons. His name is Kevin Doyle. And he did a show called The 30-Year-Old Virgin. It's on Apple TV. Everybody should watch it. It's brilliant. And she and I went on a first date to go see this show And the funniest part is we got a little drunk before the show and she started heckling Kevin in the middle of the show. And like nightmare scenario when you're on a first date, because you just want to like turn to them and be like, shut the fuck up. But you're on a first date, so you can't really say that. (laughs) So she starts heckling Kevin and we ended up, we had a great date. Like we went home together. We had a wonderful time. I saw her a couple more times while I was out there. But the reason why that's the best first date story ever is because now, because of that one chance meeting with her, meeting Kevin on the street, I now have my apartment, my job, my dog, my whole life is because of that one, in the way that it currently exists, because of that one chance meeting. So we met Kevin. In the show, there was a character that Kevin talked about called the Donut Man. And I remember when we heard the show for the first time, I'm like, there's no fucking way that's a real person. It's a real person. It's my boss that I was talking about a little earlier. His name is Harlan, and he came to visit Edinburgh the next week. And do you know that meme of the two Spider-Mans looking at each other? I think, yeah, yeah. So when, when Harlan and I met, we were dressed the same. We both had long hair. We both had big, bushy beards. We're the same size. We're the same height. And we met each other, and we're just like, did we just become best friends? We were like, fuck yeah, we just became best friends. So... They came to see my show and then we ate a bunch of mushrooms that night and we went out and we went dancing and we went, we're partying around Edinburgh and we go to one of the artist bars at one of the venues and we drink espresso martinis until seven o'clock in the morning. And we decide to sprint up Arthur's seat, which is this mountain in the middle of Edinburgh. And I tell them this story about a dick joke in an opera that I was in. My favorite opera is this opera called Fanchula del West. It's about the cowboys during the gold rush in California And the main character's name is Dick Johnson. And at the end of the opera, all of the miners are trying to kill Dick. They're trying to alacho Dick. 
and the words al lacho in Italian translates directly to hang. So we're all trying to hang Dick. And I'm telling Harlan this story, and we have this crazy Italian director in this show who doesn't speak any English, and to this day is still my favorite director I've ever worked with. And he's like setting the scene where he's like, Adoro così. In this situation, you are crazy. Pazzo! Pazzo! He's like smacking himself on the head. He's like, You want blood? Sangue! Then he gets really quiet and intense and he goes, You want dick? Now, there's one female character in this opera. All of the men in the chorus are in their early 20s because it's a young art program. So we are super mature. Leon, I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a room of 50 early 20-year-old men, but really put together, really mature, great takes on the world. But it's like a super pressure cooker situation. There's so many very important people in the room, and we can't laugh. But the director keeps going. He's like, Dika Masta Hang. My tongue at this point is literally bleeding from biting it so hard. And then he goes, you must have a bloody dick. And we just lost our mind. Rehearsal shut down. We lost our minds. We're going nuts. So I tell Harlan that story. It's eight o'clock in the morning now. He puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, you have to work for me. I said, doing what? And he said, teaching chess to three-year-olds. I was like, I don't know how to play chess. He goes, it doesn't matter. You can tell a story. So... That's my best first date story, is that one, that random meeting on a first date led to my whole life as it exists right now. (laughs) (laughs) That is incredible. I, yeah, it's, it's just, I think that's the biggest lesson though, with any first date and why, you know, a lot of people get scared to go on first dates. A lot of people, it's putting yourself out there. It's being vulnerable. Meeting new people can be scary, but you just pointed out, you just never know who you're going to meet. You never know. My best friend always says, even if you don't hit it off with that person, you could be dating them for a few weeks or a month, meet their friends, and then meet the next person you you date. You could then realize like, hey, we're not that great together, but like you really hit it off with my friend and like go enjoy that. Or like a friend of a friend at a house party you go to or something. Like you just never know. So the more you expand your circles... The more people you're going to meet, the more crazy experiences you have, you just never know where your life is going to take you. And I think it's all about just being open-minded in that. Totally. I also have to say one, one more crazy great first date story is the first date with my current girlfriend. I met her downtown. We had drinks on the water on the, in the park at the West Side Highway, which is not Riverside Park down that far. What's it called down there? Uh, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Riverside, the downtown version of Riverside Park. But the best part of the whole date was at the end, we finished the like pre-made gin and tonic that I brought us. And then I, I had gotten a puppy two months before. <laughs> and I literally pulled the, uh, do you want to meet my dog line? And it worked. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, yeah, usually does. Well, and then, and then I, yep. And then Kelly just reminded me, cause she's sitting right next to me. We get home, we take the dog out of the crate. He does the whole cute four-month-old puppy thing. He pees on the pee-pee pad. And I was like, great, we're out of the woods. I pick him up, I drop him on the bed. And this fucking dog is making uninterrupted eye contact with me while he pisses all over Oh, no. (laughs) Because the cost of true, get that off of the bed. Because the cost of true love is high. (laughs) That's adorable, I love that. Well, yeah, I 
I want you to go back a bit and and talk about I love you because I think those words can hold so much weight in our dating lives, especially I think, I don't know about you, but I throw it out to friends all the time. Oh, I love you. I love you, babe. I say it to my guy friends. I say it to friends, my parents all the time. We, I think we talk about this all the time. You say you love ice cream and pasta and it's just thrown around so much. And so what do those words mean to you when you actually find someone that you're really excited about? It's a deep question. I don't know. Because of the Christy thing, it had it held a lot of stigma for me personally because it was the she was the first person I had ever said that to that wasn't like a close friend or a family member. It was like saying it, there were actually really high stakes to say it. And it did not go well the first time. When I told her the first time, she was shocked and she was like, I can't say it back. And I was like, that's okay. And in my head, I was like, fuck, 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 fuck. I fucked up. That was a, that was a mistake. You know, cause I, I, cause it's an interesting thing. Like I'm, I make it a point, especially with my male friends to tell them I love them and be very vocal about that. And with all of my friends and people in my life, but it's different when you add the like romantic stakes to it with, Kelly, my current girlfriend, I told her I loved her in my sleep multiple times because my ego and my own fear wouldn't let me admit what was actually true in the moment. So it had to come out subconsciously in order for me to be able to like actually say it. You know, it it is one of the, it's, it's, it's so, the context is everything. I listen to Mike Birbiglia's podcast, Working It Out a lot, because it's all about writing and stuff like that. And one thing he talks about is that his parents have never said I love you to him. And it's not a thing that like his, he and his siblings say back to his parents. Whereas like, that was a thing like my parents always told me they loved me, but like, I never actually felt loved by my parents, if that makes sense. So I don't know. I think, again, context is everything with it. In the years before I met Kelly between the two Christie breakups, I was very emotionally shut off with everyone that I was dating just because I couldn't go there. It was too, I don't want to say traumatic, but yeah, too raw is the best way to put it. It was like, you know, it's, it's funny how like the human psyche works too. Like I had a string of situationships where I was very, very clear with the people that I was seeing, like, I'm going through it. I'm never going to be vulnerable with you and I will never fall in love with you. Like I'm going to be as brutally honest as possible. And then three women in a row fell madly in love with me and it became very messy and horrible and I felt awful. So it's difficult. Like I am glad that I hopefully found the last person who I'll ever need to say it to and not have to go through that whole rigatone again. But yeah, context really is everything. Cause like I genuinely love all my friends in, you know, not in a romantic love way, but in like a, I would literally do anything for any of you kind of way. But it's easier to tell them that than it is than someone who's newer in your life that you do feel that passionately and intensely for. But if you reveal your cards too soon, it could freak them out or something like that. I don't know. Human beings are stupid. God forbid we actually say what we fucking feel (laughs) without playing games surrounding all of it. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think... Those words do mean something different romantically versus friendship versus an inanimate object. And it is all about 
our past. And like, I think there's something about saying those words in a romantic setting that's like, okay, once we say that, it's unconditional in a sense. It's like, we're all in, you know, I think it's almost, and it can come after asking someone to like, be your girlfriend, be your boyfriend, like the I love you could come months after that. I think that's kind of the first step of, okay, I really enjoy spending time with this person and I only want to spend time with this person. But then there's the whole added on, I love you, which is like, not only do I want to only spend time with this person, but I also unconditionally love them and will do anything for them. And it's not until there's a huge blowout or huge issue, like we are committed to each other and only each other. But yeah, and it's interesting because I think I think it feels different for everyone, you know, that this idea of love and like love for someone else. When you describe it to other people, what do you say? Where do you feel it in your body? That's a tough question. Everywhere, I guess. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, it's like a difficult thing to... Uh, okay, here's, here's what I'll say. TikTok is evil and we should all delete it because we're probably all hopelessly addicted, any of us that have it on our phones. But... Yeah, I, I deleted it over the summer and then re-downloaded it like an idiot and I got to delete it again. But using my dog as an example, you know, I got a quarantine puppy in August and like I loved the dog more than anything on the planet that I've ever loved ever. And sorry, Kelly. Uh, <laughs> TikTok for a while was sending all this shit via the algorithm of like people spending their last day with the dog before they had to put it down or something. And I was like, why is it sending me this? My dog is a year old. You know, it of course puts you in that place to like think about that situation. And it was just like that warm, fuzzy feeling of whenever I am with Simon or this and that. You feel it everywhere and nowhere at the same time, but you feel it everywhere. And it's the same. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Kelly. It's like, I feel it everywhere and nowhere at the same time. It's like not a... It's not necessarily a physical feeling unless it's, I never feel safer than I do when I'm being hugged or touched by Kelly. So, ew, gross, cooties. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, yeah, that's beautiful because I think it's not a tangible thing. And whereas anger or sadness or elation, those sit in certain places in my body. Like when I feel angry, I feel like all the cells in my body are literally bursting out of my skin. When I'm sad, I physically am hunched over and just can't pick myself up or like put my shoulders back. When I'm super happy, I just wanna like hop, skip and jump around and you know, go woohoo to the whole world. And I think a lot of emotions do have a physical connection, but I think that's one that just doesn't. So it's interesting to hear. And I think it's different for everyone. You know, every emotion sits differently for every person and everyone explains it differently as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. It's like the the happiest emotions are sometimes the most difficult to, not the happy, but like the, the, the biggest of emotions are like love and joy and are the sometimes the most difficult to quantify and really feel out. Whereas sadness, anger, jealousy, this and that, it can take a way more physical hold of you, at least in my own experience. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. So there are more things that I wanted to discuss. We're kind of coming up on our time. So I just want to 
close out with a couple rapid fire questions that I ask everyone and then do a where can everyone find you. So how do you get excited for a date? Oh, that. Ooh, I don't. I don't. I man, I, I like to keep expectations low so I can't be disappointed. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it's totally different. Like when you're single versus when you're in a relationship. My girlfriend and I are going to emo night in Brooklyn on the twenty fourth. And I love that. I know. I can't wait. I'm I'm breaking out the black nail polish for my fingernails for this one. Gonna gonna safety pin the jeans again. Go back to like two thousand three. But, uh, like, I'm super excited for that. But when I was single, I would, I never went into a date with any expectation. And very purposefully, especially when I was in my dead inside zone, I was like, let's just see how this goes. And if it's cool, it's cool. If it's not, it's not. And yeah, I think that's super healthy. And what is your ideal date? A cheap one (laughs) with minimal effort. I'm, I'm very, I had a long conversation with this guy I was living with this summer about like the difference we were talking about like skinny, attractive privilege. I'm a bigger guy. I've always been a bigger guy. It's only a very recent occurrence that I have become attractive. And as a result of that, I dating as a fat guy, like you have to be funnier. You have to be more charming. You have to be more interesting. You have to be more charismatic. You have to be more everything because there is that one thing that's very much working against your favor because people are shallow. I forgot somehow when you asked me the worst first first date story I like totally forgot the story that I told you the other day but when I was in the Hamptons I went on a date because my girlfriend and I are in an open relationship and the first date that I went on since that started was with this girl who we met up at the beach we were gonna like watch the sunset and split a bottle of wine I had snacks and wine and all the things like big you know I was I was prepared and you know like simple first dates like that where it's more about the experience of just being together and talking without lots of distraction are probably my favorite, but the date lasted three minutes because she looked me up and down and was like, you're not as tall as I thought you were and you're fat. I'm going to leave. I was like, what the fuck? So it's about those. Yeah. Right. Yay. Shallow Hamptons people. It's uh, like simple, simple. Like my, my favorite kind of first date is just like make a big bottle of gin and tonic at home and, uh, go sit in the park and see if there's energy and see if it vibes and then, you know, sit by the water on the West side highway. And then if it works out well, invite you home to see my dog and see if the dog will pee on the bed. (laughs) (laughs) I, well, man, I mean, that girl sucks and you did not deserve to go through that. First of all, it was, it was, it was an eye-opening experience. It was, you know, I, I needed that. I needed that. I, I didn't need that, but like I did kind of need that catalyst of like, oh, okay, all right. Now I remember why. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. People are terrible anyway, but yeah, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, right. It's all about the connection you have with someone. So if you go on these extravagant dates and try to distract the, I think it's the same thing when you're like, I want to just, I want to buffer between myself and my thoughts. It's like if the person you're dating is always trying to do something and like go somewhere rather than just have a quiet meal at home or sit and talk over a couple mugs of tea for a few hours and they're trying everything to just avoid this like really intense and vulnerable conversation, then it's like that eventually is not going to work because you're not going to have this 
intense connection. So you might as well find that out sooner rather than later. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, this has been amazing. Thank you for all your stories. I feel like we just ran through like five, six years of your dating life <laughs> in an hour and just ran through a lot of experiences and emotions that you've been through. So I think this is going to be a really great episode for everyone to hear just someone's experiences in a short span of time and how much can change if you really put in the work and focus on yourself and put your head in the right place. So where can everyone find you? On Instagram, my handle is at alexfrankel underscore the underscore lion If you just type in Alex Frankel, I should be the first person who pops up. And then... Yeah, I'll tag you in the show notes and stuff. Perfect. The rest of my social media, I have Twitter, but it really only exists to like tell Ari Fleischer that he's a piece of shit. And uh, <laughs> that's that. Yeah, I'm on Instagram. And if anyone here has a three or four year old and would like some chess lessons, hit me up. <laughs> Yay! I love it. Well, thank you so much again, Alex. This has been awesome. No problem. Thanks, Liana. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Bye. Right, bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode or this podcast in general, I would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate, and review below. And if you can think of anyone who would enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it. As a new podcast, the most helpful thing is to grow by word of mouth. After all, who doesn't enjoy a good date story? Lastly, if you would like to connect with me, please follow me on Instagram at ghosts underscore of dates past. And feel free to shoot me a DM if you have a comment, question, or would like to be a guest. I'm always looking for new people to bring on to the show. Hope you all have lovely weeks and I'll be back next week for another juicy episode. Bye for now.